0: Hey guys, Jack from Youngbloods here for another episode of Lessons in Hindsight, advice from big dogs on how to be little dogs. Today you'll hear an interview with CHE Proximity CEO, Chris Howardson, where we talk about how to be an MD in your 20s, how he deals with pressure, how to know if advertising is right for you, and which one of his close friends and colleagues he'd prefer to bash. So let's get into it.
1: Sweet, works. Great.
0: That works. Yeah, we're on. Um, cool. All right, let's dive into it. Great. So, Howie, straight into uh, why advertising? Why did you come into it? What lured you into advertising to start with?
1: I was just a little bit too young to watch Beverly Hills 90210. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that. Maybe I wasn't allowed to watch it. It was definitely on when I was a kid. But um, probably not a very interesting story. I think I wanted, to, or I wanted to be an architect. I ended up doing psychology and commerce at uni. And then my cousin was working in an advertising agency, it just happened to be Clemenger. I didn't know anything about advertising enough, Clemenger was a good agency or not. Lucky it turned out to be a good one. And uh, he gave me work experience because I was about to choose my major. And I was trying to decide if I wanted to do marketing or something else. So uh, he got me in, his name's Jason, he's still in advertising. And he um, you know, got me great work experience and I loved it. I loved it from the first 10 minutes I was there. And then, then worked there for about 12 months for free until um, basically, I think they felt so sorry for me, they started to pay me, <laughs> and then that, that's how it started. So it was yeah. like one of those lucky things where you're so influenced by the, you know, your family and the people around you. And fortunately, I, um, I wasn't influenced by my parents who were both teachers. I'd sort of seen a lifetime of how hard it is to be a teacher and wanted to do something else. I loved the creativity of what advertising was. So that's, what I, that's what I did.
0: Perfect. How old were you, were you at that time?
1: I was 17. Wow. So I grew up in Queensland, so you graduate school when you're 17 in Queensland.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, I was doing, like I said, commerce and psychology, and it got to Easter, and I had to start thinking about majors, and then it went from there. So the very first, one of the first things I can remember of being in advertising, which is probably not very PC now, but I had my 18th birthday there and they all came to my party. But the collective present from work was a yellow bucket, and uh, I don't know why it was yellow, our sort of agency color was blue at that time. That was, that was the present. They all got me a bucket for my 18th birthday and they all signed it. And I had that for years. I think I, I, think I left it in my um, parents' home at some point, but it, so it might still exist. But anyway, that was a lovely thing they did for me at the start.
0: Wait, why a bucket?
1: Well, kind of like you're 18, that was the sort of idea of it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's what I mean. It's probably not PC to encourage drinking these days, but um, yeah, obviously it was a bit different and that was pretty great. So lots of incredible people. And I think that's where I've been really lucky throughout my whole career. I've got to work with great people and, uh, you know, none such more as when I started. So it's one of those things, you know, you can work hard, but sometimes there's a really important element of luck in it all and I got really lucky to, to pick a job there and haven't looked back.
0: Yeah, great. What do, you, uh, what do you remember from those first few years as a junior? What sticks with you? Well,
1: it, was, it was really interesting because it was Brisbane, it was pretty great in that you did everything. You know, I worked in proximity, so it was a direct marketing component. Yeah. And it was really interesting that even then, um, advertising was changing and that was, that was 2002. And so change happens slowly and then it feels like it happens all at once, but it was happening all the way back then too. So it was the start of digital. Um, you know, we still did a lot of, a lot of mail, you know, we still did TV ads and those sort of things, but it was when Brisbane still had clients before a lot of those clients have either ceased to exist or sort of pushed down into the Southern States. So Brisbane was a bit of a different market. The agency when I started was about 120 people and then it lost Suncorp, uh, which is Suncorp Metway at the time when Suncorp first left Brisbane to move to a Sydney agency. And that was really interesting. It was interesting to sort of see the devastation of what an account leaving can do, Um, but also in different times seeing the impact that what happens when an account arrives. I think I probably learnt really early on that advertising is a rollercoaster of up and downs and you have to kind of... Buckle in and go for the ride, but sort of not live the highs to highs, not live the lows to low, because it is, it's a pretty elastic type of career that, um, that really exists at the whim and the satisfaction of your clients. Yeah,
0: great. So that,
1: that, you know, that was, that was, I guess, my quickest learning of um, the industry. I remember going to an advertising award, which is so fundamentally part of what we do. I was on a BNT panel this week talking about why, Awards are important for business growth, which they absolutely are. But I was 17. Or I must have been 18 at this point. Otherwise, it would have been illegal. But I don't know. I think I might have been 17. But I went to this advertising <laughs> dinner, which was amazing. And um, it was just in this warehouse in West Ends. And it had hay bales everywhere. And it was a little bit like MADC in Melbourne. You know, Brisbane had a similar art director's club. It's called BAD, which is Brisbane Art Director's Club. And um, it was pretty epic. Like, I just remember going in there. It was just a scale that I probably hadn't seen It was an energy I probably hadn't seen. Andrew Dada was the host. He was like a, you know, he used to do that television show about um, good ads before the internet had them. Probably everywhere. So, I don't know. I just loved it. I just felt the energy of the industry straight away. I felt that there were people creating things, you know, in this sort of commercial application of creativity. And I guess I'd always had a creative spark in me through school and through my life. But I probably hadn't self-identified as a creative. Yeah. And so then to come in and understand that actually creativity has a lot of shapes and there's a lot of ways to inform the creative process and uh, enhance the creative process that I sort of found myself, um, you know, really delightfully placed in the account service and found that a really wonderful place because you could understand the business, the client's business, figure out what you need to solve for and then champion that process through the agency. And I guess I loved and I've always loved the level of influence you have as a, as a suit being able to spot the opportunity and then rally your entire resource of the agency and solving that opportunity. So uh, yeah, so that was, um, that was my first impressions of advertising.
0: Yeah, great. So if uh, the creativity and that energy of the industry is one of the things you absolutely love about it, are there any things that you dislike about advertising?
1: Honestly, not really. In terms of the, the sport of advertising, there's nothing I dislike, you know, in terms yeah. of there's hard clients, there's good clients, there's small budgets, there's big budgets, there's ideas that get sold and ideas that die. Don't mind that. That's all fine. That's just sort of part of the part of the experience. Yeah. I think, if they, you know, there's, you come across occasionally negative people, but I reckon a lot of those negative people have left, you know, I think a lot of that, a lot of positive change has happened across the industry from just a general inclusion point of view, democratizing the creative process. is just not that approach. Like, you know, in my early years of the career, that was, you know, when the, when the print department was really scary. And, you know, it's just all that stuff where, um, you know, I don't think I ever, there's, there's no, no one should ever feel intimidated in their job or bullied. and Not that I ever felt like I was bullied, but there was just that kind of sense of there's people you don't mess with yeah, because they yeah. might lose their shit. that's just I don't like that you know I think that's there's no place for that in advertising or any role um so you know but that's 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 life isn't it you can get that going to subway or um in your career so that's there's nothing really I hate about advertising I'm actually really lucky and I think this is where I look back on that first uh work experience that Jason got me it was purely by chance I was interested I was chatting to him about it a family barbecue and it sort of went from there It wasn't one of those things that as a kid, you know, you you walk around with a policeman's hat on wanting to be a policeman, you don't walk around wanting to be in advertising. (laughs) And I was really lucky that I found a job that I love. And uh, from day one, it's never really seemed like work. And I've always been able to get lost in the day, get lost in the night, because the opportunity to create things is really um, intoxicating. So that's, that's probably how I feel about the job, very lucky
0: when you came over to Chet, so you, you came over as managing director. Is that right? I did uh, yep, yep. Um, and you were quite young. How young were you at that stage? Uh, I was 27.
1: How did you feel um, on that first day? Oh, but, but you know, absolutely nervous. Um, I, I had Peter Harvey, who was pretty amazing. And yep. for those that might be listening, don't know Peter Harvey. He's the H uh he's the most incredible character the most intelligent and um scholarly and experienced man he ran Stereo back in the glory years when there was money in radio and he created some of the identities that have just become household names hamish and andy he put them together Fifi box he, he created um kyle and jackie O. he created E mcguire you know leave these names that when you know austereo was a powerhouse of the Say FM network and the triple M network. He did, he did a lot of that. He digitized those networks before digital was a thing. So I guess in coming to work for Harv, um, I'd just been working for Big Z at Clem's, and, and both of them are yeah. tremendously good leaders. So they're not really comparable because they're, they're leading their own ways. But I guess in, in leaving Clem's and getting to do my own thing, it was a great opportunity, but in a terrifying one. And I guess in HAV, I had someone who was our non-exec chairman and, and there to help rather than there to sort of, work with and it's maybe a funny way to explain it but I think the great thing with Harv was that he was always a safety net there without being someone that I needed to seek approval from and he was always very clear that you know this is this is your show you do what is needed and no doubt he probably saw me making mistakes but he wasn't someone to sort of jump in and stop those things so yeah he really he really kind of played more of a mentoring role rather than a um boss role so yeah and, but like, I didn't know him before that day we'd, we'd spent, you know, a few times chatting, but I think from day one, he always felt like quite a nurturing figure as a supporting person. And then I was coming into an agency, I was coming from Clemage, Melbourne at the time, which was at the peak of their sort of agency of the decade achievements. And um, it was a well-oiled machine. And I think, you know, I've, I've worked in a number of different offices and a few different agencies and, you know it when you work in an agency, if it's got its shit together, you know, if people know what they're striving for, if there's a if clear view of what the culture of the agency is, um, are you there to kind of punch the time card or are you there to sort of put a dent on culture and, and shift what the world looks like? And I'd sort of come from very high performance agency in Clemage, Melbourne, and then found my way in a, into a place where you don't have all those people that necessarily know what they were doing because it was just an yeah. agency, a different era of its re- evolution. Um, and it isn't of any disrespect to anyone that was there at the time. It was just a different time. And so I guess I had a lot of um, pressure on myself. I think there's always, always, well, I've always felt like I've put more pressure on myself than anyone else has, but I had a lot of pressure on myself to kind of go from being, you know, a really strong player in a really strong agency to could I be a strong player um, in an agency that maybe didn't have that support around me. And so that was, that was the that was a challenge. Um, and then I think it's a bit of a mix because you go from um, an environment where every agent, every client wants to work with you and it's really easy to recruit great talent to an environment where you've got to sort of create a vision, and create a uh, capability and process and get the right people in one by one. And it's been really good. It's been a really good challenge. There's, you know, this is my, um, what's the year of 2020? This is my eighth year. So in August I would have done ch- for eight years and, It's funny. I can't, the time before chat feels like it was an eternity ago, but equally it doesn't feel like it's been eight years.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I think it doesn't matter. It could be today that I'm working on something called 12 years ago. I think the importance of the task is just as important when you're in it. It's just that the ecosystem around you can give you more or less support. And so the first day I remember going in there and getting everyone together. And as always, you know, cultures are built around people and people change then, you got to change the culture. And so it was friendly. People were welcoming me, but it was, it was done with a lot of, you know, what's he going to do? Should I trust him? Should I not? These type of things. And I remember the first thing we did was create an unreasonable task. And it was something I probably learned from James McGrath, at, who's CCO at Columbia Melbourne, in that when you demonstrate to people that amazing things can happen in a very short period of time, it immediately creates a sense of possibility of what's possible. I think probably one of the things I noticed when we first went there was how long it took us to do things and what our sense of service expectation was. Yeah. And what's so clear about working in agencies, you only exist in an agency because of your clients. Maybe that was a lesson I learned very viscerally when I was at Clemage Mel Melbourne, Brisbane, from what I told you before around Suncorp leaving. But I just kind of knew that this is the one thing is that clients, if they're going to pay you money, um, you've got to be worth it. And so what we did was we reset the culture of the agency. And at the time was, we called it curious and, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's not particularly genius, but it was essentially just be curious around the world around you, ask different questions, expand into other people's capabilities, like just kind of know and feel advertising. And because, again, if I go back, if I felt like the world was changing in 2002 without knowing what was coming before it, but just knowing that people were being displaced, this is 2012, so it was 10 years later, like we accelerated into that. And we did this thing where we came up with this idea, we created an identity, we printed all these things across the wall, like it was stuff that... Uh, you know, you and I could do here normally because we now have the people to do it. But before having that process, people had to kind of reimagine how they could get there. So that, that kind of hard three days, a few late nights, those type of things really helps, you know, people believe in themselves. And I felt like that was maybe the spark and the starting point for us to move forward and do, do different
0: things. Yeah, great. You, you mentioned pressure before. How do you deal with pressure? Are there things that you do when you're having a rough day to help you unwind?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. In the day, the days are so packed now that you almost don't have time to feel the pressure during the day. You just sort of roll <laughs> into the next thing. So what I typically find is after a big kind of day or days, you get home and you, you just feel it. You just feel tense. You feel like you're breathing here rather than down here. Um, you know you might have the pins and needles if it's been a particularly stressful day and and I think that's the thing I think there's there's, maybe it's not cool to talk about being stressed or maybe it's not Mm. cool to talk about the effects of being stressed but everyone feels stress because when they're responsible for something and when they're worried about something Mm. and I think the thing is just to recognize that it's happening and know how to make sure it doesn't affect you in the sense that of course stress affects you so to make a bit sharper is to make sure it doesn't affect your personality and your performance at work. And I think the best thing is if people can learn that under stress is to not change the core shape of their personality. And that's, if you've ever done those um, brain scanning exercises where they figure out what quadrant you sit in, you'll know that they ask you those questions where you figure out what happens to you when you're stressed and what your personality changes. So if you can understand that, I think that can give you some clues that you can maybe pick up on if you're stressed and not realising it to kind of maintain the shape of who you truly are. Yeah. And then you've got to be able to manage that stress because the consequence of stress is adrenaline, cortisol, and sucks up the adrenaline. And then that builds up to a level where it kind of can affect you longer term health-wise, but also in your ability to perform. And that's where you just got to look after yourself. <laughs> you know, you gotta, um, you got to be healthy, you got to do exercise, you got to do breathing. I know I talk a lot about doing ice baths like you've been <laughs> talking about. My brother-in-law has just bought a chest freezer that he keeps on a half degree. that's unreal yeah so i've been doing that with him two or three times a week so that's um so there's no simple answer to it you can either check out of it or you can learn how to use it uh and use it to your advantage and um how to manage it and it i I think the truth is that there's just stress everywhere everywhere in life you could be doing nothing and you'll find stress in your day it's just um figuring out how to deal with it so um yeah, I don't know if I must it, but I think just maybe acknowledging that you're feeling it and then working out how you solve it is, is probably important.
0: Yeah, great. What would you say the best advice you've ever received is?
1: Uh, it's heaps. The, the first thing that came to my mind, so it's interesting there's sort of gut instinct around these things, but uh, my wife, who you know, I talk about a lot in terms of being my secret weapon because, um, <laughs> you know, she was a management consultant and worked advertising for a long time. So I sort of bounced a lot of stuff off her. What I learned from her very early in my career was that it's better to be respected than liked. And that's just, I guess, a management generalism. But what it's all about yeah. is that as you get more senior in your career, in your earlier years, you might um, get your way through the agency and you might get the work through by being friends with people. And that's cool. I'm not saying don't be friends with people. But the more senior you get, you might get into a position where um, you might have the performance to manage someone in your team or if it's really terrible, you might have to let someone go who's in your team. And it's really hard to do that if they're a friend. And so um, by all means, like an amazing camaraderie with the people you work with. But I guess you've got, to, you've got to make decisions that people go, that was the right decision for the agency. That was the right decision for the client. That was the right decision for the work. Like on whatever level that might be. Yeah. So your values are coming through your decision-making and then people will go, well, you know, he fired me, so I don't really like him, but I totally respect the reasons why he did it. <laughs> Versus the opposite where I think you can, you see people who want to be liked and then they make the wrong decisions and then yeah. ultimately that impacts others more adversely. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, one of the great things I've been told over the years. And I think that's helped at particular times. And I think what that comes back to is having a vision for your agency, having, values for your ages. When I say ages, it could be a team, it could be yeah. for yourself. It kind of doesn't matter, but I guess I'm talking about myself um, and live to those values. And I think if you live to those values consistently and in a way that people know that that's your guiding source of decision-making, then, um, then that's, you know, that's the starting point, I guess, to earn respect.
0: Great. What about, um, what about, In terms of juniors, what what advice would you give to someone who's getting into that industry or has been in there for only a few years?
1: Yeah, so what I always say is, do you like it? Because you don't like it now. Um, I don't think you'll find that it gets better. Yeah. As in, um, I've loved every job I've been in. You know, my first job in advertising was coordination support. And then I was an account of coordinator and then I was an account executive. So like I was two levels below what the entry level is today, but I loved it. I loved every bit um, and, and found joy and opportunity to be, um, to, you know, apply the best I could in each of those different things. And it might've just been like filling out a job bag pr- properly. So the production manager was happy. Like it could be something like that, yeah. but you've got to kind of know that you're, um, you know, that you're enjoying it and you're part of something bigger. So that's the first thing. If you're, not, if you're not that, then maybe really take holiday and figure out if this is what you want. Um, so that's the first bit. The second bit, if it's about how to get ahead, is it's really simple. Work hard and surround yourself with smart people. I think I might have been stolen that from Andrew Robinson. So <laughs> the, work, the work hard thing is um, you know, advertising is not a hard industry. As, as in, it's not, you don't have to have an unbelievable amount of pre-acquired knowledge to do it. You know, you don't have to be, you know, you can't operate on someone's brain without having gone through a number of learnings in advertising. It's a great opportunity for creative people and people who are interested in people and how people tick to apply those skills for commercial endeavor. And so a lot of advertising is instinct, but a lot of it is learned. So it's just like read a lot, follow the right blogs. You know, Scott, Scott Galloway is someone I'm sort of following at the moment. He's quite interested. He's one of the professors at NYU. he his own podcast. He writes really good points of view. Um, we know all the Australian people we know that the local blogs, but like just kind of immerse yourself in the industry and circle that up. There's only a few, there's only a few kind of core books. If you put them on the wall, it's probably, you know, 30 or 40, but like you can pretty much chunk down advertising literature and different, different themes. So like just immerse yourself in those different themes. So you know what they are, um, surround yourself with really smart people. You know, there are incredible people in our industry and kind of really take the time to observe them. So, um, Uh, I mentioned James McGrath before like when I first met him I thought he was just a bit grumpy and a bit rude. (laughs) I I remember my first briefing with him was disastrously wrong. I'd put together all this stimulus that the client had really liked and I presented it to him and he said uh, you know here's here's some work that could be good and because I was young and didn't understand And and he I remember he said at the time I'll be the I'll decide what's good. And then walked out of the room. I'm like, oh,
0: shit. Got told yeah, off?
1: Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Like you did it in a classic James way. Yeah. But, um, but it was only when I got to like step back from probably to your point before, anxiety or fear or whatever in those moments and just kind of forget about you being worried about what people might think of you and just sit there and sort of take in and try to understand what they're saying. Yeah. Sometimes James is one of those people who say something, and then sometimes you, you realize a minute later that there was like a deeper meaning to what he said. It wasn't the obvious thing. Yeah. Um, and you see, and there's all, I just mentioned James because we we're talking about him before, but there's heaps of people like that in the industry and around us. So it's like soak up around those people, read everything. So you know what's going on and then just work really hard. One of the um, ways that I think I've been able to build client trust over the years is to always be a backstop for them. So have good advice, which is built from your experience and your readings and stuff. And then two, if they call you on a Friday night and they need help, well, then you cancel your Friday night and you work with, with them. Or if they, um, you know, if presentation didn't go well, then you pivot and, you know, but it's just, again, it comes back to that simple truth is that we get paid an extraordinary amount of money as in not necessarily as individuals, but like as a company. Like yeah. when you look at the estimates we send to our clients, you could buy houses with some of them. Houses yeah. in Sydney of all places. <laughs> so we've got to keep coming back and saying, is it worth it? Is what we're doing worth it? And a lot of that is about not just the product, but how you deliver the product. Are you available? Are you friendly? You like, do you help them understand what they need to do? And it's not about just saying yes, like it's just been about a proper advisor to them and fully at their disposal. So you know, that hopefully that
0: kind of touches. Yeah, it no, no that's things. that's a really good answer. You mentioned something really interesting before about you you absolutely love this job. You wake up every day loving it. Do you feel that there's a perfect job out there for everyone and it's just a matter of finding it?
1: Sort of like, this, like the question around love, isn't there? Like, is there yeah. someone to love out there for everybody?
0: Yeah, Hopefully. well, I, mean, I think it's, a, it's a, a question in the sense of if someone doesn't absolutely wake up every day and go, you know, this is the right thing for me, is that natural or should they be looking for a different job?
1: I don't know maybe I'm I'm lucky in that I've always had a um overly optimistic and sunny personality and so I don't dwell on things that sort of get me down too much and I think that's I've realized over time that's probably not a normal thing so maybe that's a shortcoming that has become an advantage in advertising so I'm like you know I I don't want to be sort of um lollipops and rainbows about it but like I don't jump out of bed every morning go "Fucking yes it's advertising day day." (laughs) today yeah uh, but I do, I am excited about what I'm waking up to do. Like, you know, you go to bed knowing what your next day is, you know what your presentations are. And I, I really get off on presenting to clients and showing our thinking and seeing how they respond. You know, it's an, it's an industry of unbelievable reinforcement. Yeah. You know, multiple times a day, whether you did a good job or a bad job. And so almost, you know, it's almost as binary as an athlete that's trying to beat a time. Like, you know, straight away if the work's liked or not. You know, if you can do a good brief to creatives, you know, if you've kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of easy. So to your question, if you wake up and you're not busting out of your pants, then, you know, if you've got a personality like me, yeah, maybe you go do something else. If you're a bit of a Eeyore, then maybe it's okay. But, um, <laughs> but it is also okay too to have flat moments. And I think this yeah. is coming back to that moment that the industry is a roller coaster of ups and downs and sometimes you've got to hover in the middle. But, you know, when the, when there's downs, like, I say that easily now, but they're hard, you know, you might've worked on a pitch for three or four months and um, like we were lucky enough to win Samsung. And I really feel for the guys at the two other agencies, guys and girls at the two other agencies that were um, pitching for that. Cause they would have worked just as hard as we did. And I don't know how it would have come into work the next day if I hadn't won it, you know? And, yeah. and uh, you know, that we talked about that a lot in the agency. So, you know, you don't, it's not about not feeling stuff. It's just about, um, you know, if you, even if you're just talking about your job like this, it would give you a sense that it's for you or if it's not, but yeah, let's come back to, is there a job out there for everyone? Yes. Just like there is a a love out there for everybody. Love it. Love it. (laughs)
0: What's, uh, what's been your favorite moment in the industry?
1: Um, I've had a few. And I made the hidden pizza restaurant for yellow pages in 2010. And I remember walking to that restaurant on the opening night when it was packed and that was a pretty unbeatable experience and that was something 10 years ago, I still feel. Um, the, when we won the B&T Agency of the Year, that was pretty huge. It was the first time we went from being, you know, nothing to sort of recognised. and awards are pretty cyclical and, you know, not necessarily you shouldn't bank your hopes and dreams and awards, but that was a real moment where it felt like we'd gone from being an agency off the list to being an agency on the list. So that was really special. And then I was so exhausted by the end of the Samsung pitch process that it could have, you know, it wasn't sort of a moment where you just stop everything and go and drink a bottle of champagne. Like it was in, I ended up getting a phone call from procurement at about nine o'clock at night on a Friday night. I was exhausted. I was in my pajamas, just put the kids to bed you know, the house was quiet. And so that was a very different moment of celebration, but sort of winning that is pretty cool. I think there's a lot actually, to be honest, but those three are pretty cool. I think it, I think the things that for me are the most biggest highlights is those moments of camaraderie. And I think those three moments I've just talked about, the only one where I was by myself was the Samsung call, but then my wife was there and so we celebrated and then I called everybody in this team. We all kind of just got on a shared chat. Yeah. But that's the thing, the cool thing about advertising is you're building something as a group of people and as a team and, uh, and you're truly achieving it together.
0: Yeah, great. What about your most embarrassing moment or the biggest mistake you made during your junior years?
1: I've made heaps. There's all those things where you send the client the wrong PDF and they get upset. And so there's all those things which are really good learnings for higher detail. Probably my most embarrassing thing, I was, I think I was 18 at this point. I was in Brisbane, maybe I was 19. But I was at a work function and um, we were just chatting to some clients and I was just talking like this, like I do with my hands. And I sort of went like this and the oh. director, a guy named John Peters had walked up behind me. I didn't know he was there. And I did this and I hit like a massive, like vase almost of red wine all over his suit.
0: No, he was wearing
1: like a, like a um, tan suit white shirt and sort of very light tie. And I was so embarrassed. It was one of those moments where it was like the music stopped. It might've actually, I can't even remember, but it felt like it stopped. Certainly the whole room stopped and it sort of spun around. And so that was the most embarrassing moment and he handled it incredibly well, incredibly well. And then I remember I was going on holidays the next day. I thought, Oh shit, I've just wrecked my major director's suit. And so I sent him an email and it was Hugo Boss and all those sort other of things. So I'm like, oh, it's a really
0: a hand suit, suit as well. What a day yeah, to wear it. What a day
1: to wear it. And then um, I remember emailing him that night saying, Oh, I'm so sorry, John. Um, please let me know if I can buy you a new suit. And of course he didn't. He didn't like, yeah. he, he just said, no, don't worry. Have a great holiday. But I remember at the time I had like $900 in my bank account.
0: So I'm very
1: pleased <laughs> he didn't say, yep. And you said it'd be great, Chris. But um, that was embarrassing. But again, when when there's really lovely people around you, it's always yeah. handled very well. So that's cool.
0: Awesome. Um, so I'm calling this credit where it's due. I thought yeah. I'd give you an opportunity to shout out another agency you think is doing a good job and why. Sure, ma'am.
1: I think there's heaps of agencies doing a good job. Um, it's been a real revival, I reckon, in the work and the energy in the industry probably over the last twenty-four months. But my my hot favourite agency at the moment is Special Group Australia. Um, Lindsay, Tom and Jules. I've not, uh, Lindsay was a client for a little while. Tom and Jules. And she wasn't my client. She was a client of Clemenger. And then Tom and Jules um, I worked with. They were creatives at Clemenger. And they're their um, CCOs, or see they there now. They're just doing awesome work. You know, and I think they're, um, they're privately owned. Uh, they're, you know, they've got their skin on the line. And uh, if you look at what they've done over the last few years, they're doing brilliantly. Um, they're on some big pitches at the moment, and if those things come off, they'll be the agency of the jaw for the for the moment. So yeah, they they're the ones that are doing
0: great. Perfect. Finish this sentence. If you really knew me, you'd know.
1: <laughs> I'm not very good at most things outside of advertising. <laughs> so <laughs> if I go to trivia and the subject is name this ad, yeah. I'm excellent. I have an encyclo encycl- um, encyclopedic memory for ads. Uh, across the world. If yeah. you ask me anything else I'm terrible.
0: You really fell into the right profession at seven
1: years old. I did. I, old, <laughs> luck. I've got terrible internal compass so if I come out of a car park I need either the find my car function on my phone or um, my wife needs to be with me to get me there. So I'm um, really not <laughs> good at very many things outside of advertising. So yeah, if you great. knew me well you know that I've lucked it out. <laughs>
0: now this is this is an interesting one something that i've always wanted to know and it wasn't on the list that i sent you earlier but i'm sure you'll uh you'll be fine (laughs) yeah yeah. this is this is a hypothetical you've put in a ring and you it's a fight to the death yeah you get to choose the opponent we're not talking anything personal it's just a tactical decision based on yeah just based on who you think you'd have the best chance again You've got to choose between your longtime friends and colleagues, Ant <laughs> White and David Holter.
1: All right. Well, I'll keep it in the, in the industry so I can narrow it down. I wouldn't attack anyone old because that's not very fair.
0: Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that you've got to choose between Ant White. Or oh, Ant or Holter.
1: Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, i never pick Ant. Ant's uh, very aggressive. He'd beat me, I'd say. <laughs> I'd pick Holter. I'd break his glasses and he wouldn't be able to see me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he'd be fine i'll um i'll just cut this little bit and i'll send it to him separately
1: yeah nice thank you yeah yeah that's my tactic to throw sand in his his glasses
0: yeah great (laughs) cool i thought i might just ask you is there anything that i should have asked you any questions that uh you felt are missing
1: i didn't prepare before i came on (laughs) i should have thought through that maybe you should have said how important is preparation chris and i would have said very important that's I remember great. my rugby coach at, at school used to have, how many P's? At five P's, six P's? Prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. So six P's. That's another key <laughs> learning I've had from, uh, from being much younger. So anyway, <laughs> hopefully I've survived this one with little, little preparation.
0: Perfect. Advice from a rugby coach can be... A, a, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, that's, um, that's all my questions. Bang on 159. Nice. Thank you so much, Howie. That was hey, sure. incredible. I'm sure that's going to create some really cool cool content.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's
0: useful. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Chris and Join us next week for another Lessons in Hindsight.